0: Welcome to the October 9th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. And the sermon is entitled, The Fight That Shouldn't Have Been, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Grab your Bibles, go to the book of Joshua chapter number 10 as we are working our way through a great book. I have learned so much. Has has anybody learned anything other than myself? from the book of Joshua. Uh, Grab your water in case it gets dry. Jim's got his. But we're going to try to learn a very important lesson today, and that is this. Sometimes we get involved, listen church, in things and in places where we shouldn't be. I'm going to stop right there. As we think about what happened last week, we look at the people of Gibeon who have made a deal with the Israelites and has spared their life. But in turn, now the Israelite people are charged with protecting the Gibeonites' life. They have to protect them now. They cannot kill them. So as we ended chapter number 9, we've seen that last week, and we opened chapter number 10 this week with the same people at the center of that. The Gibeonite people are still at the center of what we're going to talk about today. And as we look at that, I want you to know that there have been times and there have been moments that I have found myself involved in some situation in which I never should have been there to begin with and when I'm in this situation I understand Jeffrey you shouldn't be here but because I'm here I've got to do something I've got to do something and can God still use his people in those situations where maybe you have been pulled into our church maybe we have jumped into And we find ourselves into these difficult circumstances. Now that we're involved, what do we do now, God? Today, I hope that we learn something from this lesson. The Gibeonites have fooled the Israelites. They have tricked them into a treaty of protection. And now Israel has to take care of something that God had never intended them to take care of. As we look at this fight that shouldn't have been, we're going to start in Joshua chapter number 10. We're going to read the first five verses together today. Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Here's what God's Word says. Now it came to pass when Adonai king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai, and he had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. That they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, king of Jeremoth, and to Japheth, king of Lachish, and unto Jabir king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me that we may smite Gibeon. For it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmath, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up. They and all their host encamped before Gibeon and made war against it point number one that i want to give you today relates to last week and that is this point number one is there is always an enemy there is always an enemy what we've seen from gibeon last week is they made friends with the nation of israel they were making friends with one enemy and in doing so they have made five other cities mad they now have five enemies against them and I want you to know especially in ministry but in life it seems like that we always have an enemy when you get one situation taken care of another one's going to pop up when you go and get one child healed of sickness and better and mended on the road the other one comes down with a sickness and it seems like it's a cycle that never ends you're always working against something against someone to get just what you need done done am I speaking to anybody today okay I thought I was just describing my life to you real quick the Gibeonites as they started out the enemy was Israel and now they find themselves in a very very tough situation as Adonai Zedek, Jerusalem's king, has heard about Israel. You see that in verse number 1. He's heard what Israel has done in Jericho. He has heard what Israel has done in Ai. And guess what? He even heard what Israel done with the Gibeonites. And now he's mad. He's mad, and so he calls up the neighboring cities, and said, here's what we're going to do. Look at verse number 2 real quick. It says, they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, as one of their royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Verse number 2 tells us this, that fear has gripped the king of Jerusalem's heart because he knows how powerful Gibeon was, the Gibeonite people are. But not only that, a powerful city has now made an ally with Israel. And so the way to defeat them both is to call the neighboring cities, the four other kings, to come to his aid, and the five of them together would attack Gibeon. They would go destroy this great city because they made peace with Israel. The end of verse number 5 says this, They gathered up all their army, all their host, and they encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. These five southern areas, southern cities, southern kings, now go and they're camped outside of Gibeon. And guess what? Gibeon has another fight on its hand. As we think about that, I want to talk to your hearts today. When I think about teenage ministry, I Despise. I'm not going to use the word hate. I want to use the word hate. I despise drama. Teenage ministry is full of drama. It seems like as one teenager comes in and they bring their friends with them, that group gets mad, and guess what? Somebody gets mad, leaves, don't come back, doesn't come back to church again. And it's like How do you follow the pieces here? One boy starts dating this girl and they get mad at you, and the whole youth group can implode because of one person person getting mad at another. But I love my teenagers, and God loves teenagers, and God loves His people, and we do some of the same things as adults. We stick our noses in places where we shouldn't. We're involved in situations where we have no business. Yet when we get there, what do we do? Where well, we find the Gibeonite people there. They're there. They have Israel that they've made peace with. Now they have five kings. And who do they turn to now as these five kings are outside of their city ready to destroy them? What do they do? As I think about the point of always having an enemy. You will never ever, as long as this old world tarries on, you will never ever get rid of enemy number one, Satan himself. You will never ever get rid of that enemy. But that enemy shows up in so many different places. But church, I want to speak to you real quick. You should never ever, according to God's word, your enemy should never ever be within the four walls of the church. Brothers and sisters should not be enemies with one another. The body of Christ is not the enemy. But yet when it becomes the enemy, we've got a real trouble on our hands. And just like teenage ministry can be destroyed with one bad relationship, the church can be destroyed when we let that in the church and so today I want you to know as I look at this I see the enemy is real and I will never get rid of Satan but I know that he is there. Gibbon was trying to do itself a favor by making peace with one nation and now they have multiple enemies. What do you do? Where do you find yourself? Well let's read on. Let's look at verses 6 through 11. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. And so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them unto thy hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a the great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and to Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth-horon that the Lord cast down a great stone from heaven upon them unto Ezekiel that they died, that they were more that died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. I'm going to stop right there. As something major happens, point number two is this we find Israel fighting someone else's fight. Israel is now fighting someone else's fight. I thought about this as I wrote this sermon out a month, or two, a month and a half ago, and I go back this week. I sat there at my desk and I said, this was Israel's chance. If I was in charge, I would have just said, hey, let those very deceiving Gibeonites fend for themselves get what's coming to them and we don't even have to take care of them again that would have been my thought let them get wiped out god took care of them hey listen church we got to be careful don't miss this point if i was in charge i would have say let god take care of them but that isn't what god wanted that is not what god wanted You know, these Gibeonites were deceivers, and I think that Israel should have just let them go, let them be taken care of. Some people label it as karma, whatever you want to label it as. Guess what? It wasn't God's will to let them die. It wasn't God's will to let them die. And as Israel and and Joshua study the situation, they hear not only the call of the Gibeonites, but they hear the call of God to go help. Go help. What does that call sound like? Look at verse number 6. And the men of Gibeon sent it to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. I'm going to stop right there. There are three words that you need to underline in your Bible. Come, help, save. I believe I used very similar words when I was 15 years old. As we see Joshua, the Old Testament example of Jesus, we see a people calling out, come, help, save. And I'm grateful that Jesus over and over, day by day, I believe in my heart, hears those words from his people. Come, help, save. I'm not going to ask you to do this, but how many of us have prayed today? How many of us have prayed today? Maybe in that prayer, you used one of these three words. God, come. God, help me. God, save me. I need you here. And as that call goes out, I want you to know this. God has no choice but to answer the call and go. The Gibeonites are now his people, his protected people. And God hears the call and Joshua hears the call and they immediately spring into action. He's pulled into this fight. It does not belong to him. It, It is not his fight. And he is called to help. But it's amazing what God does. God pulls five of Joshua's enemies into one area. Now he does not have to fight city by city anymore. Remember, we've been city by city so far. Now we're going to take five down at one time. It's amazing how God works. Even when we question it, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it, God is still at work. And he just wants somebody to say, I need your help. God, come to me. God, help me. God, save me. Today, I believe that Joshua honors his word in protecting the Gibeonite people But I believe also that God honors his word for his people. And he has entered a fight that it was not his own, but now he takes as if it was his own. And as we will read in the next section, God fights the battle. God fights the battle. It's not you and it's not me, but God takes over our battles. I'm grateful for that. Real quick. I want you to see verse number nine. As they are called, as the Israelite people are called into battle, verse number nine says, Joshua went suddenly or immediately. He springs into action. And not only that, friends, he goes all night long. So he begins his march to Gibeon during the night. It's about a 20, 25 mile march as he is headed out. So he starts in the night hours. Look at me real quick. In the darkest times of your life, God still has a plan. When everybody else is sleeping, when everybody else is dead to the world, not worrying about God, God's at work. And God's people are at work. In the middle of darkness, God is there. And he's moving his people into place. And I don't know what you are dealing with today, But maybe it's a battle of darkness. God can work in that. Verse number 8. I want to go backwards one verse. It's amazing what happens when God shows up. When God's people are obedient, God shows up. And in verse number 8, he said, The Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before them. God enters the battle. God enters the battlefield again to show up and to lead and deliver his people. He begins a fight against these five armies to slaughter them, to chase them, and to kill them. There's those words again, to destroy, to destroy. These are not easy words to preach about, but I want you to see in verses number 10 and 11, uh, verse number 10, the Lord discomfited, or uh, that means that he brought them or he directed them by the people of israel so the lord directed the enemy that the israelites began to to kill them and in verse number 11 as they fled from before israel they were going down to beth horan that the lord cast down a great stones from heaven okay this is a great miracle in the book of joshua as they are fighting the battle i told you god would take over god takes over this battle and in verse number 11 he performs a miracle from the skies of hailstones that began to fall. As these hailstones begin to fall out of the sky, they slaughter the enemy. It's amazing to me. When, when I just read over that at first, I was like, this is crazy. How can these hailstones only kill the enemy? How can they not even affect the people of Israel? They're at war. God has made the enemy come by Israel, yet God... God directs every hailstone to knock out every enemy. It's more than just a hailstorm. God's at war, and He is out at war to take out every enemy there is. The hail would pour down from the sky, it would kill the the enemy in such a way that verse number eleven says this. The end of verse number eleven says, They were more which died with hailstones than with whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. God killed more people than the Israelites did with hailstorm. Now you're looking here and say, I don't know about that. Well, listen, folks, if we doubt this part, you might as well doubt the rest of the story. If you doubt that God cannot do that, doubt the rest of the story. But as believers, my faith, and I'll get to this in just a minute, my faith is that God worked a miracle here. And that is not the only miracle that we will see in this war. But it's a powerful miracle as God takes on that enemy. I want you to know that as I stand here today and I see that battle, it reminds me of my own battle. And I know that some of you are fighting a hard battle right now that you need to step outside of it and you need to have god lead that battle it's not about you you need to be a prayer warrior you need to be a listener as you hit your knees before god and maybe christian you are that one person to come along somebody that is walking and having a hard time when god shows up the battle changes If you get nothing from this sermon today, I want you to take that point home. When God shows up, the battle changes. God has shown up and he takes charge of the battle. What will you trust him with this week? What are you going to trust him with? As the story goes on, God continues to work. Verses 12 through 15. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, In the sight of Israel, sun, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher, So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven? and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it. And I want you to underline these words. That the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel, and Joshua returned, and all Israel with him unto the camp of Gilgal. Point number three today is the fight prolongs. There's a prolonged fight. Pastor Jeffrey, what in the world does that mean? As we look in, in first, I will speak to this right now and just a little bit later, the book of Jasher is mentioned here. It is a book of poetry, of song, of history. It's also referred to in 2 Samuel chapter number 1, verse number 18, as this is a historical book, a book of poetry and song, but it accounts for this day. But this day was a special day. As Israel marched during the night, now remember, Israel's day started early morning during the night. They marched 25 miles, and they begin to war. They begin to fight. God shows up in that battle. God kills people with hailstorms in that battle. But guess what? The battle's not over. As Joshua surveys the battle, he's looking at it, and here's what he thinks in his mind. I need more time. Has anybody thought about that? <laughs> Gosh, I look at two teenage boys, and I say, God, I need more time. It's going fast. Guys, it's going fast. I need more time. Maybe you get busy with the chore in the day or family or whatever, and you, you look at God and say, God, I need more time. There's some days I pull out this old thing right here, and I look at the schedule, and I say, Hey, no way, God, I need more time. Joshua surveys the battle, and he says, I need more time. The greatest miracle, in my opinion, in the book of Joshua is right here. I cannot explain it to you, but I'll tell you what happened. Joshua went to God, and he said, God, I need more time. I need you just for a minute, and and into verse number 12, that the sun would stand still upon Gibeon, and the moon in the valley of Ajalon. And verse number 13, it says, as he asked that, guess what? It begins to happen. It stayed daylight a whole day. And these men, I can't even imagine my mind goes to the men who are fighting, who have marched all night long, and they are in battle, and they are fighting. And guess what? Joshua said, "I, I just need you to fight a little bit longer. That's what a good boss does, don't they? Ask a little bit more out of you, right? But listen, here's what God does. God says, Joshua, I hear you. Joshua I'm in charge of this battle. And Joshua, I'm going to listen to your voice. I have heard your prayer, and I'm going to give you exactly what you ask for. When's the last time that you asked God for something exactly what you needed, and it happened? We're told we have not because we ask not. I want you to see one of the greatest miracles in all of the Bible, in my opinion, the book of Joshua. The sun stand stood still simply because Joshua said, God, I need more time to win the battle. And God allowed him to have that more time. Now listen, I cannot explain it to you. I have looked over uh, the theology, the explanation... Of how this could have happened, and I want you to know, and most of you know, science cannot explain this. One little, one little uh, rotation uh, uh, on the axis difference than normal, it throws everything out of whack. But what we're not, we're not asking for the sun to stay. What we're asking for is the Earth to quit rotating. That's that's the prayer here, not that the sun stays, but just just stop the Earth for just. Just a little while. And science says if that happens, everything else is thrown off. There's no way that can happen. Well, listen, friends. If I get outside of my faith and look through it through the lens of science, I may question a lot of things. But if you, through the lens of science or through the lens of knowledge, try to explain everything in the Bible, you will not do it. Faith has to be a part of that. In my personal opinion, faith parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Faith did that. Faith made the walls of Jericho fall. Faith made a donkey speak. Faith made sacrifices be consumed that were doused in water. Naaman's life was changed because he faithfully went and dipped just as God had asked him to. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They walked out of the fire. Not because of science or not because of their knowledge, but because of their faith in God. And so I'm challenging a church today to do this. Stand on your faith and stand up for your faith. There's a passion right now as I take an apologetics class at school to be ready to give a defense for the gospel. Today, I challenge you to stand on your faith. And it's amazing, as I've underlined in my Bible, the verse number 14, it says, the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. God listened to Joshua's voice. God heard his voice And God gave him exactly what he needed in that day. How many of you need something particular from God? Nobody ever in this world may ever notice or recognize it, but you need it. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. In faith, hit your knees and plead and beckon to God for what you need. And let Him take over your battle. Verses 13 through 15 say that there was no day like that day in all of the world. The great testimony of the work of God. I want to ask you this question today. I don't want you to raise your hand. At at Revival this year, we were asked to pray for the double portion. I'm going out on a limb here. I guarantee you half of the people aren't praying. I am. I'm one person that every day is praying that God does something crazy at Clifford Baptist Church. Not for Jeffrey. Not for any one man or woman here. For the sole purpose that God would get the glory that he deserves. There's enough room in this church, in every church in our community, to be slam full. How many of us are willing to stand on how many of us are willing to fight that prolonged battle and most of the fighting is done when we faithfully come to a god and ask for what exactly we need i believe today that god listens to the voice of his people and i believe that today in faith if you were to come and you were to kneel at this altar and say god here's where i need you to show up here's the battle that i need you to fight that god would be there some of your hearts, there's doubt. In some of your hearts today, there's doubt. In some of your lives, there's questions. and some of your health situations, they're hard. But here's what I'm asking you to do. In a very simple, obedient faith, come and kneel before God and say, God, will you help fight this battle? One of the greatest joys in a Christian's life is if they can walk beside somebody that's fighting a battle. Today, if there's somebody that you know that is hurting, reach out to that person. I know a dear man in this community who has two kids that just lost a mama. And this week, I reached out. Nothing special, nothing. I just said, listen, I want to walk with you. That's all I want to do. I want to walk with you. Friends, today, Are you fighting a battle that you should have never been in in the first place? Can you trust that to God to get His good and His glory out of whatever it is? It might be a messy situation, but God can get glory even out of the messy situations. Listen, this is not over. Next week, we're going to pick it back up. But today, we close God's Word asking this question, is there something that we as Christians will trust God with, will trust God in? And here is my plea from my heart, ring heaven's airways. Ring heaven's airways today with the prayers of Clifford Baptist Church. One last thing. Today, if you are here, And you have never, ever given Jesus Christ your heart. I do not want to close a service without giving that opportunity ever. So as we close this service today, we close it with the sun standing still, the battle in action, and we look forward to next week. We close this service today with the Gibeonites and Israel in, in a battle that they should have never been in. We close this battle with the enemy there. But today, if there's somebody here, I cannot close this story without saying this. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ went to a cross for every single person in this room. If you have never trusted your heart, your life, your eternity, your future to Christ, that can happen today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are that person whom the Spirit of God is working on right now, I don't want you to wait for even the first note on a piano. As soon as I end my prayer, I hope to look up and see you face to face. You come today. You come to the Lord and let the Lord change your life. Today, if you need Him to change your life or change your battle, trust Him. Trust Him enough to come to Him and talk to Him as we go to him now. Father God, as we open up this altar this morning, God, there are so many needs across this many people. Lord, we think about that, Lord, and we try to control it. We try to put it on a schedule. We trust it to doctors and caretakers. And Lord, when it gets all bad, then we'll come to you. God, I pray, Lord, in a very special way that you will move in people's hearts right now. There are things, there are things that are happening in people's lives. We found ourselves in situations where we never should have been. And yet, God, we're calling on you to rescue us from those situations. God, to take over those situations in our life. Lord, today, if there's somebody that needs you as Savior today, God, I pray, Lord, from the bottom of my heart that they will begin to make their way now to receive the greatest gift in all the world. A Savior of the world went to a cross to die for sin and self that we may live and have a relationship with Christ our Lord. If somebody needs that relationship today, God, bring them here, I pray. We give you this moment of invitation. God, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would move and work. In this decision time today, God, move. In Jesus' name, amen.